0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. Police are asking for your help tonight after a child was sexually assaulted.
2: The six-year-old allegedly lured away from an elementary school playground. Ted Chernecki is live with more on where this happened, Ted, and who police are looking for.
0: Yeah, this is a very rare and uh, a very troubling and ultimately very tragic development for a six-year-old girl. It happened, allegedly, in broad daylight a full week ago, but only now are parents who have kids attending this school learning about it. J.W. Smith Elementary is in an upscale South Vancouver neighbourhood with the Langara Golf Course just to the north. Recess today was different from the norm. Some parents are only now hearing about last week's frightening attack. I
3: immediately came home uh, to see
4: my daughter. Like, what's going on here? Today when I saw them, I was like shocked. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I need to go right away. I was actually anxious. I was like, oh my God, running. I'm like, then I'm telling myself... You know, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to change now. So I'm like driving really fast. I'm like, okay, I have to go see everything, and I have to go see what's happening at school.
0: Some parents were on hand during the noon hour recess, personally watching out for their kids. One mother, who has three children attending Sexsmith, is asking where was the supervision.
5: That, that's really sad, you know, like, like it broke my heart. I really hope this school has more and have camera and more, you know, like supervision, you know, more people to,
6: to watch the kids.
0: The Vancouver School Board isn't offering anyone to speak on camera, referring all questions to the ongoing police investigation. On December 5th, a six-year-old girl was lured away by a stranger at Sexsmith Elementary School. She was taken to a nearby location where she was assaulted before the man walked her back to the school and left her there. The suspect is described as a darker-skinned male, about 30 years old, brown or grey hair, and wearing grey pants. Police also releasing a map hoping someone might have some dash cam video as they drove in an area between Cambie and Ontario around 59th Avenue between 8.30am and 2.30pm on December 5th. We don't have any reason to believe that this did not occur. And police uh, do not believe that the uh, suspect is known to the little girl. So they continue to canvas the neighbourhood looking for security cameras, witnesses, whatever might lead to an arrest. Chris, Sophie.
2: All right, Ted. Thanks very much for that. Troubling indeed. And here's another one. Police in Vancouver investigating uh, uh, this one involving a man allegedly exposing himself to a student from York House School in the Shaughnessy neighbourhood. It happened yesterday, just after 3 p.m. The team told police that she saw a man in a dark sedan pull over to the side of the road, and when she walked past, the man exposed himself. In a release to parents, officials said this is the second incident of its kind to occur near school grounds since October, and police are still searching for the suspect in that case, too.
1: Huawei CFO, Meng Wanzhou, is abiding by her bail condition since her release from custody last night.
7: Why should people believe you that you won't breach your bail? Ms. Mung? why should people believe you that you won't breach your bail? Do you have anything to say?
1: Mung released from custody on $10 million bail. She's now living in her Dunbar home under a number of conditions while well, she awaits possible extradition to the United States on fraud charges. Her release follows a three-day hearing after she was arrested at Vancouver International Airport December 1st at the request of the U.S. Rumina Dea has more on what comes
7: next and what security experts are saying about her release. Supporters bearing gifts showed up at Meng Wanzhou's multi-million dollar jail to offer congratulations. Meng must reside at the family's Dunbar home as part of her bail conditions. We are proud of Huawei, you know. (laughs) It's a big company, yes. The cost of release for Huawei's CFO, one of China's most powerful, $10 million in cash and property. Ms. Mung, why should people believe you that you won't breach your bail? Do you have anything to say? Twelve bail conditions, including an electronic monitoring bracelet. Mung must surrender all passports and be subject to 24-7 surveillance by a private security team. The cost will come out of Mung's pocket.
0: Monthly costs should be between $100,000 and $150,000, maybe more.
7: Security expert Nick Casal, former NYPD, was bail monitor for billionaire Bernie Madoff, convicted of the biggest Ponzi scheme in U.S. history. In Mung's case, the risk of flight, possible, says Casal.
0: I don't want to make the uh, mistake they made when they said the Titanic was unsinkable. Uh, So, I mean, you know, it goes to what is beyond a reasonable doubt, you know. Uh, There is always the remote possibility that something could occur. Meng
7: is due back in court on February 6th. In the meantime, the Americans have until February 1st to make an official request for extradition. The case, which has global ramifications, could take months, even years. U.S. President Donald Trump says he would consider intervening in Meng's case if it will help secure a trade deal with China.
8: Regardless of uh, what goes on in other countries, Canada is and will always remain uh, a country of the rule of law.
7: Canada's position leading to possible retaliation from China. Former Canadian diplomat Michael Kovrig has been detained in that country. His whereabouts unknown. Back in Vancouver, Meng is settling in with her husband and 10-year-old daughter. She maintains her innocence, vowing to fight any extradition order to the U.S. All right, Romina Dea joins us live from the newsroom with more on Mung's
1: release. And Romina, an unexpected lunch for the media camped outside her home today.
7: Sophie six pizzas were actually delivered to Mung's house this afternoon, but they didn't all go inside. The delivery driver was instructed to take four of them to reporters and photographers standing on the sidewalk. Uh, also, at one point this afternoon, Meng made a brief appearance at the front door when she said goodbye to three people who left in a car with diplomatic license plates. Sophie. All right.
1: We'll see what unfolds in the days to come. Ramina, thank you.
2: Homicide investigators are releasing new details in the murder of a 19-year-old college student. Kiran Desi's body was found inside a burning SUV in Surrey in August of 2017. Tonight, never-before-seen traffic camera footage shows two vehicles of interest. Grace Key has more on that and the heartfelt appeal from Desi's sister.
9: The family of Kieran Desi made an emotional plea for anyone who may have information into the 19-year-old's death to come forward. Since her murder, we've been struggling with the reality that we can never see her sweet face again. Our broken hearts will never heal, and we have no answers as to why this has happened to her. Police have released new video of two vehicles believed to be involved in the murder. One is a dark gray Audi Q7, the other a dark gray Dodge Ram truck. Police would like to speak with anyone who has information about the murder.
10: There are still people that we believe, that we know, have information and uh, they're not coming forward. We're appealing to your conscience. Uh,
9: It's never too late to do the right thing. On August second, 2017, at about 12.20 in the morning, Desi's body was found inside a burning vehicle in Surrey on 187th Street and 24th Avenue. At the time, investigators said she had been killed at a different location and her body had been moved. They also said her murder was targeted but not gang-related. Hours after her body was found, police searched a home in Surrey's Newton neighborhood. Because it is an ongoing investigation, they're not releasing additional information about the case. Kieran was a student at Quatland Polytechnic University and received a kidney transplant just six months before she was murdered. Kieran had suffered for five long years with an autoimmune disease called GPA. She went through years of dialysis, numerous surgeries and complications, But she was so strong and determined to fight. She wanted to live more than anything else in this world. No arrests have been made and police are not commenting on any possible suspects. Grace Key, Global News. The mother and uncle of a B.C.
1: woman murdered in a so-called honor killing in India have lost their last attempt to avoid extradition. The B.C. court of appeal dismissing an application from Kar Sadhu and Surjit Singh Badesha to have the order against them stayed because they claimed there was an abusive process. The two are accused of hiring assailants to kill just winder Jessie Carr, who ignored her family's wishes and married a poor rickshaw driver in India. But that's still not the end of it. Badesha and Sadu have 30 days to file a leave of application to appeal with the Supreme Court of Canada.
2: Surrey is asking for some help from the city of Vancouver and the VPD as it transitions to its own municipal police force. Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum says his city has put forward a request for technical assistance from Vancouver and its police department. The cities will now work toward developing a partnership agreement. McCallum wants to draw on Vancouver's knowledge of legal and financial issues related to policing while learning from the police department's expertise. McCallum has said he believes the switch to municipal policing uh, policing can be done in two years at a cost of about $120 million.
1: Almost two dozen recommendations tabled today by the province's rental task force aimed at improving security and fairness for renters and landlords. Nadia Stewart has more on the ideas put forward, including one in particular that's already raising concerns among Stratas.
8: We propose a ban on rent evictions. If renters are willing to accommodate renovations in their homes, they should be allowed to stay in their homes.
4: Putting an end to rent evictions, topping the list of recommendations put forward by the province's rental task force. Their 72-page report focuses on changing the rules governing landlords and tenants.
8: To strengthen penalties for those who break the law, and also real improvements to ensure the law is fair for everybody.
4: The report lists 23 recommendations, many of which would help modernize the Residential Tenancy Act, which hasn't been updated in 16 years. The task force recommends recording residential tenancy branch hearings, implementing a BC-wide rent bank system for low-income tenants, and requiring landlords filing for eviction or renovation to provide evidence, a change advocates endorse.
6: We have really no clue as a province, you know, on how many evictions happen, whether they're going up from one month to the next or one year or one decade to the next.
4: But the report also includes a controversial call to eliminate Strata Corporation's abilities to restrict ownership from renting their own strata units. The Condominium Homeowners Association says eliminating rental bylaws won't address the lack of supply.
11: We did a very detailed, accurate study in 2017. The vacancy rates in the buildings that have rental bylaws were below 2% the vacancy rates in buildings that have no rental bylaws were between 19 and 35 percent.
4: The report is receiving mixed reviews. The B.C. Nonprofit Housing Association applauds it, while the Community Legal Assistance Society calls it another blow for B.C. tenants. Housing Minister Selena Robinson says she and the Premier will review the recommendations. Nadia Sturck, Global News.
2: Still no word on what caused a major barge fire in Mission, this video was taken from our Global One chopper. The blaze broke out around 3 o'clock this morning in a large structure on the barge located on the Fraser River. Crews attacked the fire from land and even brought in help from Maple Ridge. Although the cause is not yet known, fire crews are calling it suspicious. But first, the odds of surviving a traumatic injury in Vancouver, just got a little bit better.
1: Vancouver General is the first hospital in Western Canada to use a device that can buy surgeons valuable time when a patient is hemorrhaging internally. Linda Ellsworth has more on the Reboa and how it's already
3: sh- saving lives.
0: X-ray is still standing by. In
3: the Vancouver General Hospital Emergency Department, training to keep up with the latest technology is a matter of life or death.
12: What about the third unit blood? Third, unit's
11: third unit hanging. Okay.
3: One of the greatest challenges when it comes to traumatic injury, internal bleeding.
11: You know, we've all experienced that uh, time when you've had a very sick patient that's that's dying in front of your eyes and trying to get him up to the, the operating room and not being able to get control of that hemorrhage inside there.
3: So when Dr. Garraway heard about a device known as Reboa, he was determined to make VGH the first hospital in Western Canada to get one. The procedure is, in ways, similar to angioplasty.
11: A catheter used that's inserted in the femoral artery, which is in the groin.
3: When the catheter reaches the aorta, the largest artery in the body, a balloon within is expanded, acting like an internal tourniquet.
11: The idea is that you're perfusing the brain and the heart, um, and stopping any bleeding below that to allow us to get up to the operating room in time to, uh, uh, to permanently stop the bleeding.
3: Raboa can only be used for injuries to the lower body, like gunshot and stab wounds, or traumas caused by vehicle crashes, like lacerated livers.
11: Another example would be a severe fracture uh, of the pelvis that lacerated some arteries could also um, stop that flow. We'll
3: the it can buy surgeons up to an hour, which is exactly what it did when a gunshot victim was recently brought in shortly after this training session.
11: The last simulation where we said we were good to go, eight days later it was used for real.
3: He survived. VGH believes as many as 15 patients a year who might have died otherwise will benefit.
11: We really feel it's going to allow us to, to get to that operating room quicker and um, have more people survive.
3: Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
1: Good news for transit users, free Wi-Fi is coming to buses, SkyTrain and C-buses.
2: TransLink is teaming up with Shaw Communications to offer the service. Trials will take place next year and the plan is to begin rolling out public Wi-Fi access, access, make that, in 2020 at no cost to TransLink or its customers.
13: This is going to have a huge impact on our customers' experience. They'll be able to surf, stream, connect with family and friends and get, to get some work done um, on their commute.
4: For all of us, the time that we spend in transit is time we often want to use to stay connected, whether it's reaching out to friends and family, catching up on work or posting thoughts and memories on social media. And having access to seamless connectivity is what makes all of this possible.
2: TransLink expects the entire network to be completed by 2025.
1: A decades-old plan to establish a national park reserve in the South Okanagan-Similkameen could become a reality by next fall.
2: While environmentalists are in favor of protecting the ecologically sensitive land, as Shelby Tom reports, the idea certainly isn't supported by everyone.
5: Parks Canada now formally seeking the public's input on its controversial plan to establish a National Park Reserve in the South Okanagan Similkameen. It's launched this website to gauge public opinion called Let's Talk South Okanagan Similkameen.ca. Parks Canada has also released this updated map of the proposed working boundary. The green shaded area is provincially protected land, the orange private land and grey crown land. The National Park Reserve could stretch from Kilpula Lake near Asias, around Mount Cobo and Chopaka, through to Taylor Lake near Fairview-Coston Road. Park officials say no private land would be expropriated, but all through this process, ranchers have expressed concern about losing access to crown land for cattle grazing.
0: The political climate's right for them to move ahead with this, but I don't think it will be very successful because I don't think the neighbours to this park will accept it.
13: We have uh, indicated throughout this process that um, Parks Canada is uh, committed to uh, working with the
0: ranching community to ensure that um, ranching and grazing would continue.
5: And some recreational enthusiasts oppose land restrictions and park fees.
10: It infringes on our uh, rights and freedoms to uh, enjoy the outdoors.
0: We are looking at Activities such
13: as uh, all-terrain vehicle use, and and have indicated that um, that activity would continue on the. Uh The roads that transect the National Park Reserve.
5: Here's the timeline. Feedback will be solicited until February 28th. The project team will report back key outcomes next spring and it hopes to have an agreement on the park boundary by next summer before work can begin. Some opponents are calling for a referendum on the park concept but Parks Canada says that's not on the table. Shelby Tom, Global News, Penticton.
2: Well, after a brief reprieve, heavy rain is returning to the lower mainland tonight.
1: Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with a look at the warnings ahead of us. Christy?
6: Thanks, Sophia. We're on top of Concord Pacific now looking out over the city and it has been on and off throughout the afternoon hours, but it's really starting to pick up now. The rain hasn't affected the commute just yet as far as I can tell, but it's tomorrow morning we're concerned about. Here's a look at the next 24 hours. We could see anywhere from 30 to 45 millimeters by morning, but up to 90 across the Metro Vancouver region by the end of the day tomorrow. So heaviest tonight and tomorrow morning easing off later on in the day, but It will still continue to be wet. And we have another storm headed our way on Friday. When I come back, I'll show you what that one means. It is mainly the winds that we're going to be concerned about.
2: I'm on the edge of my seat after that. All right, thanks, Christy. Michael Cohen once the personal lawyer and fixer for U.S. President Donald Trump sentenced today to three years in jail. That's for paying hush money to a former Playboy bunny and a porn star. Cohen telling the judge it was his duty to keep scandal from touching Trump's campaign, and he did it out of, quote, blind loyalty. Cohen's story now backed by someone else very close to the president who is breaking his silence.
1: David Pecker, the publisher of the National Enquirer, telling prosecutors that paying hush money to the women who'd allegedly had affairs with Donald Trump was done to influence the election. Pete Williams reports. <laughs>
8: The man who once said he'd take a bullet for Donald Trump is now preparing to spend his mid-fifties in prison. Michael Cohen headed to federal court in Manhattan with his wife, daughter and son, hoping he'd get credit for cooperating with federal prosecutors. But they said his help was grudging and they pushed for a tough sentence for his own tax and bank fraud and for his role in arranging hush money payments to two women who claimed they had affairs with Donald Trump, allegations he and his aides have denied. Speaking about Trump, Cohen told the judge, it was my own weakness and a blind loyalty to this man that led me to choose a path of darkness over light. I felt it was my duty to cover up his dirty deeds rather than to listen to my own inner voice and my moral compass. But the judge said Cohen sought to profit from his association with Trump and committed a smorgasbord of criminal conduct, Sentence: three years in federal prison. And in a dramatic legal development, federal prosecutors announced they will not file charges against the third person, along with Trump and Cohen, who played a role in the hush money payments, David Pecker, publisher of the National Enquirer, whose company wrote the check to Karen McDougal. Federal prosecutors in New York say his company admitted the purpose was, quote, to suppress the woman's story so as to prevent it from influencing the election. The weight of the evidence against Mr. Trump is starting to build. It's not just Mr. Cohen, it's also this company. And they agree that the president directed these payments and did so to influence the election. The payment was illegal because federal law bars corporations from giving money directly to a candidate's campaign. With time off for good behavior, Cohen, who's 52 years old, will ultimately serve at least two and a half years behind bars. A huge fall for the man who was once so close to Donald Trump.
10: I think that there is also a lot of anger and upset and hurt for what this is going to do to his life and what this will mean for his future and for the future of his family as well.
8: The judge ordered Cohen to report to prison March 6th, and in the meantime, he might continue cooperating with Robert Mueller's investigators. Pete Williams, NBC News, Washington.
1: A manhunt continues for the suspect who opened fire at the famous Strasbourg Christmas Market in France. Hundreds of security forces are combing eastern France for the 29-year-old shooter who went on a rampage, killing at least two people and injuring more than a dozen others. He was wounded in a shootout with police before making an escape in a hijacked taxi, French police identifying him as Cherif Chequat, a man with a long criminal record and on the terrorist watch list before the shooting. Officers raided his home yesterday to arrest him for burglary, but he wasn't there. Instead, they say, with the authorities closing in, he attacked. The Eiffel Tower in Paris went dark tonight in honor of the victims.
2: British Prime Minister Theresa May survived a crucial vote in Parliament, which means she gets to keep her job and can continue to fight for her plan to leave the European Union.
4: The
1: confidence vote came just days after May postponed a vote on Brexit that faced almost certain defeat. Kelly Cobiella reports. Tonight,
14: a close call for British Prime Minister Theresa May.
2: The Parliamentary Party does have confidence. Yeah
14: surviving after members of her own party tried to topple her in a no confidence vote this has been a long and challenging day but at the end of it i'm pleased to have received the backing of my colleagues the leader of america's closest ally has been under fire for weeks
10: her behavior today is just contemptuous <laughs>
14: Lawmakers and the public remain deeply divided after the UK voted to divorce from the European Union or Brexit. Some still want to have close ties with Europe, while some who support Brexit are unhappy with the separation deal the prime minister negotiated with European leaders. Just yesterday, the prime minister admitted she doesn't have the votes in parliament to pass that Brexit deal, and the deadline is now three months away.
1: In Health Matters, earlier this week, BC's Children and Youth Advocate released a troubling report about a young Aboriginal boy with autism and key recommendations from that report drastically reducing the extensive waitlist for autism assessments.
2: Early intervention is key, but the wait can drag on for over a year right now. Catherine Urquhart reports on what's being done about
12: that.
6: Social interaction is significant struggle.
12: Juliet henderson Rabar has been waiting more than a year to get her 13-year-old daughter Persia assessed for autism. Do you think it's acceptable that people have to wait this long? No, not at all. But I think we've learned to accept it. The average wait to get an autism assessment in BC now about 55 weeks. Northern Health the worst at 62 weeks. Delayed assessments a key point in Alone and Afraid. That report about an Aboriginal boy with autism named Charlie, who for years went undiagnosed. BC's representative for children and youth has recommended wait times for assessments be reduced dramatically to just three months by the year 2021. And I'm excited to work towards that goal. So you're going to try to get there? Absolutely. BC Children's Hospital oversees autism assessments around the province. This year we will do an additional 400 plus assessments and train an additional 12 or more assessors. But with 2,800 children waiting to be assessed, reducing that backlog will take time, delaying help for many BC families. It's really hard to continue on for so long without anyone helping. Catherine Ericart, Global News.
2: You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
1: Well, Google is out with its top searches of the year, and there are some pretty clear trends.
2: Yes, the top three overall searches are all sports related. The World Cup and Winter Olympics top the list. Well, the Humboldt-Broncos tragedy rounded out the top three. Celebrity deaths, including Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade, made the top five.
1: And looking at specific categories, Tessa Virtue was the most searched Canadian. Black Panther was the most searched movie. And Canadians couldn't get enough info on scalloped potatoes for some reason. That was the number one Googled recipe. How about that? And our apologies for setting off your Google Homes just a few minutes ago. <laughs> hey Google! Exactly. An unusual emergency late last night. A factory mishap leaves a sweet mess on a road in Germany. What this was all about coming off after the forecast.
2: Oh, what a waste. Okay, right now though, we are going to check in with Christy, who's down on the shores of False Creek with a look at our weather forecast. A uh, beautiful setting down there too, Christy.
6: Yes, yeah, so we're inside Concord Pacific now, Chris, for the kickoff. And so for the kickoff to the Kindness Pays For campaign, this is a really neat campaign that Global has been partnering partnering with Concord Pacific with, where uh, our community reporter, Michael Newman, went out in the community and actually found people doing random acts of kindness. And they offered them $1,000 to put towards their favorite charity. And we're asking people at home now to take part. We're going to be airing these little vignettes showing people doing that random acts of kindness, and uh, people can vote on them. And the winner will actually win $30,000 to again put towards their favorite charity. A great campaign, and it's fun to keep kicking it off here with people here at Concord Pacific. Now, weather-wise, it, is, uh, it was nice to have a bit of a break in the action today, but it's starting to pick up now, and I'm really concerned about tomorrow morning. So heavy rain expected overnight tonight and through the morning hours tomorrow. There is a rainfall warning in effect for all of those northern regions. Now, Here's a look at how much we're expecting Up to 90 potentially Across the North Shore Mountains Areas to the south far less but We are expecting more rainfall for you compared to that last storm that we saw. So we're talking about 40 millimeters. And we'll see that right into the west uh, uh, Fraser Valley region as well. Still some wind warnings in effect. Uh, gas up to 90 kilometers an hour. Those should ease off. Uh, East coast of Vancouver Island, you'll see gusty winds through the day tomorrow up to 60. But those are the rainfall warnings. So up to 90 for all of those areas highlighted in green. And it includes the area along the east coast of Vancouver Island between the nine and Comox and then all that moisture pushes inland and it turns to snow can you see the squiggly lines those white squiggly lines those are the areas where we have snowfall warnings in effect for the highways Coquihalla Rogers Pass and Kootenay Pass Thirty centimeters by the morning hours. There's your forecast across the north. Breaks in the northeast but rainfall across the coast down through the south, waking up to some wet snow in the morning, changing to rain in the afternoon. And for the south coast, periods of heavy rain mainly through the morning but even at the end of the day when the rain eases up, we're still looking at rain. So I'm not expecting the pooling water on the roads, localized flooding that I expect to see in the morning to let up through much of the day. It could be a really soggy day and then Friday the concern is not so much for rain although the rain will impact what we're already seeing in terms of localized flooding but it will be the winds and uh, we'll keep you up to date of course on that I expect some wind warnings in effect but a great time here certainly you can check out more information at KindnessPaysForward.ca. that's where uh, our viewers can take part in voting for their favorite uh, charity or story right through until January 3rd. Great to see people doing their random acts of kindness. Christy, thank you. Uh,
1: Don't let that rain tomorrow deter you from stopping by the Pan Pacific for the Christmas wish breakfast either. That's
2: right. Big morning. Mm -hmm. And we'll be there. We will be. So
1: come by and say hi. Well, it could be a scene straight from a Willy Wonka movie.
2: A road in the German town of Westonen, paved in chocolate. The sweet mess flowed out of the Dreimeister factory, very quickly solidifying when it hit the chilly pavement. Firefighters used shovels, hot water, and torches to remove it all. The problem traced back to a technical defect involving a storage tank. Oh!
1: And then they wrapped up what they scraped up and
2: <laughs> took it home. All right, Squires here with sports and an almost neighbor of ours, because we're in Burnaby, uh, was honored for her soccer mm-hmm. prowess.
10: I- and actually, uh, a young man who went to school at Burnaby Central also was honored. Excellent. So let's tell you who it is. Um, The Canadian Soccer Association named its Players of the Year, and there were no surprises. Burnaby's Christine Sinclair is the Female Player of the Year again. They might as well just name the award after her, because this is the 14th time she has won. She led Canada to qualification in next year's World Cup, and at 35, she is still our best goal scorer. The men's winner... Alfonso Davies. Uh, Sinclair almost has as many Player of the Year awards as Davies has years on the planet. He is only 18, but he was by far Canada's best male soccer player. Youngest man ever to win Canada's top honour. Just kept getting better with the Whitecaps this past season, despite the team around him not being very cohesive. Of course, his play led Byron Munich to give the Whitecaps about $22 million for him. He should start playing with Munich next month. He had eight goals, 11 assists with the Whitecaps, and played three games for Canada, which were all wins. All right, we mentioned Bayern Munich. Right I guess Davies might States. get some Champions League time it's next really year. This is Champions League, League, League action. Byron Bayern Munich and Ajax.
0: Coman taking his time.
10: Kingsley Coman. Ah. Nice. With a big for and then Bayern. a weird one for Ajax.
0: That's
10: Tagliafico. And it's it's in, goal. tied at three, Sh- Byron yeah. won the group, so they advance to the next stage, the 17 17 stage. games ago, Jeremy Colleton, since they fired Joel he Crenville and replaced him with Colleton, he is 3-12-2, and two, so the coaching change didn't do a lot. Penguins, Blackhawks, it's weird, but it's a goal. Andreas Martinson, what was going on there with Casey DeSmith? Rolling around, no stick, next thing you know, pucks in. Embarrassing. So it's one nothing. One of the best BC-born defensemen ever, Brent Seabrook. Tees went up and scores there. That made it 2-0. But Brian Rust never sleeps. Got two straight to tie it. Off the rebound of Derek Grant. We got a 2-2 score. But then on the power play, Alex Dabrinkit. Great score in junior, he can also score in the NHL. That's a nice shot, flips it in, 3-3 after two. Got to show you this from last night. Robert Bartuzzo off the referee, Tim Peel, and behind Roberto Luongo. Oh, yeah, that hits you where you keep the extra whistles. And uh, did it count? No, because it's often official and straight in, although it kind of hit Luongo, but that's uh, rule 78.5 in the NHL rulebook, if you're wondering. Yeah, uh, The referee did return to the game a bit later, and Bartuzo apologized. Uh, entering the Baja 1000 in Mexico is one thing. It's one of the most prestigious off-road races in the world. It's also one of the toughest, because... Finishing this race is not an easy thing to do. The desert can be a dangerous place no matter what type of vehicle you compete in. It's unpredictable. In fact, the fans are scary at the Baja 1000. We'll explain why in a second. Because Squamish's Aaron Richardson took his motorbike down there and survived and finished second in the Ironman class.
15: When it comes to crazy off-road races, this one may be the most insane. Not only do drivers have to deal with potential dust storms and treacherous desert terrain, but they also have to deal with booby traps set on the course by locals. Why? Well, for their entertainment.
13: Well, I don't think that they're actually wanting to, to hurt someone, but they want to see something spectacular um, happen. They warn you in the, in the riders' meetings, if you see a lot of people standing around, cameras out, slow down, um, because there's something there.
15: Aaron Richardson was able to avoid those traps last month on his way to completing the over 1,300-kilometer race in 28 and a half hours. In his category, 10 riders started, only five finished, Richardson coming in second.
13: The, the, the mental part is, is the hardest. Um, you know, I think after you're in for... I don't know, probably 15 to 20 hours, the physical part just sort of fades into the background and and then it's all mental. It's, uh, so yeah, the the hard part is staying focused. Um, At times you're doing high rates of speed and um, stuff comes up on you quick. And, you know, as anybody knows, when you're exhausted and tired, your reaction time is impaired greatly. Um, So I I made sure I rode at a a, a slower pace than I, I normally would if I was doing it on a team.
15: Quite the accomplishment for a guy who took up the sport after getting called out by his friends after a joke he made.
13: I uh, made the comment that uh, twisting the throttle wasn't very hard, and they, they took me out and, and showed me otherwise.
15: And he's hooked. Richardson has always been drawn to extreme sports, but now it's become a passion. But it does go a lot deeper than just racing for himself.
13: The real fun of it for me and the experiences is, is, is all the guys that come down with you, and um, I think any of them would tell you that they they probably have more fun than I did, you know, and you know they're in the chase vehicles and they're they're in that race. Well, I wanted to get it to finish for them as much as I did for myself, and uh, that's the camaraderie is really what makes it a, a great experience down there if you've got good friends.
15: Chanel Pratap,
10: Global Sports. Fans sabotaging the course. Crazy. So nice. Just to make it a little bit tough. Like it's it's punishing enough. I know. That but that's what they say. If you are out there and you see a group of people with cameras ready, slow down. Slow Something down. Something bad's going to happen. All right. Thanks, Squire. Thanks, Talk Squire. Here's a look at today's snow report. It's been snowing on the coastal mountains all afternoon. We have 121 centimeter base, Whistler Blackcomb, Grouse at 71, Cypress right now 30, opening date to be determined at Sasquatch. Revelstoke, a base of 136 centimeters, 124 Fernie, Whitewater 113, and Manning Park's opening date to be announced. Big White, a base of 101, 124 centimeters Silver Star, and 105 Sun Peaks. Kicking Horse base right now at 96 centimeters. Mount Washington's opening date to be determined. Powder King, a base right now, 114. Coming up on ET Canada, our breakdown of today's SAG Award nominations. Plus, Julia Roberts has a family crisis in her powerful new drama. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie.
1: All right, sounds good. Thank you very much, Carlos. Well, the Langley, look at this guy, the Langley Protection Society is looking for a forever home for one of its more unusual but dearly beloved residents.
2: Mm -hmm. Sitting at around 800 pounds, Theodore the Pig has stolen the hearts of staff at the Rescue Society, and they want to make sure that this little piggy does not go to market. Aaron MacArthur reports.
16: Who wouldn't want to adopt this face? Theodore the pig, all 360 kilograms of him. <laughs> the Yorkshire pig, believed to be about two years old. He was found last summer by Animal Control Officer Tina Jensen-Fote. How you
3: doing? Hi. Oh, doing
1: a scratch.
16: Wandering down the Fraser yes. Highway yes. in Langley.
14: Says, I love my
9: rump scratched. <laughs>
16: He's gone unclaimed, and now the Langley Animal Protection Society needs to get him a home.
9: We are trying to find uh, a a nice family who uh, are willing to give him uh, a forever home as a pet.
14: Do you want breakfast, buddy? Got some bread, some pears.
16: Theo has been fostered for the last few months at Tina's parents'
14: house. Raspberries, blueberries.
16: A couple of grocery stores kick in spoiled produce.
14: I'd say there's probably close to about... 15 pounds or so in there, and he'll have at least two of those in a day.
16: But Tina's mom, Karen, has become a chef of sorts.
14: He's lost a bit of weight since he's been here. He's lost weight? Yes. He was quite a bit larger when he got off the truck a month and a half ago.
16: The pig only likes his vegetables roasted, and he loves oatmeal.
14: Just
1: like every other animal, they deserve to be well-treated and loved and cared for, and so why not you know, he's he's a lucky guy for sure to be here. Why not take really good care of him and make his life as best quality as we can?
16: If Theo's not eating, you'll find him here, asleep. Laps would like to find him a home before Christmas. Theo is in no rush. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
10: If you want that guy, you better give him his own bedroom. He'll <laughs> yeah, keep you true. up all night. You need more than a dog pet for him, and, and like he likes roasted vegetables, which is the
2: way I prefer them too, so I, I have something in common.
1: <laughs> right, I don't want to say the things that are in my head right now. Uh, uh, <laughs> Go ahead. No, I can't. we all he's your up friends. For, he's up for adoption.
10: Okay. Mm-hmm. Give
1: him a nice home. He needs it. And hopefully you have the room for him, because he's really
10: big. And you have the ability to handle the grocery bill.
1: Because <laughs> he eats like a pig. Don't forget about Christmas wish breakfast tomorrow in Pan Pacific. Bring a toy. See you there. See you there. Have a good night.